Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Paid in Full podcast. I'm your host, Joe Rausch, and this is episode one. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to copyright and protect your songs. Now, I'm going to go over the basics of copyright for now, but we'll be diving deep into different aspects of it in later episodes because the world of copyright is pretty complicated and it's incredibly robust and I want to tie it into different topics as we move along so it's a more gradual learning um, and you can kind of apply those elements to uh, real things that we'll be talking about. But today, we're just going to talk about the basics and more importantly, how to protect your songs and why it's so important. So if you think about it and just take a step back, think about everything in the music industry starts and stops with a song. So that's why you have to protect it so closely. I mean, if with, without the song, there are no streaming platforms. There is no radio. There's no performance. There's no music in TV and film. There's, there's nothing, nothing in this huge, massive industry that we have can exist without that first initial creation. And that should kind of give you a sense of the power that it has and why a song is so precious. So the first question is, look, if you're a songwriter, are your songs registered with the U.S. Copyright Office? If your answer is no, or I don't know, or what's the U.S. Copyright Office, that's totally fine. We're going to dive in and pay close attention. If your songs are registered with the U.S. Copyright Office, excellent, but continue to, to listen closely because I'm going to be sharing some updates with what's going on in the copyright world that may affect you. Um, and also going to be giving it, you guys some hacks to that can save you time and money when registering your songs and different options on how to do it so it's much more effective. Now, before we talk about this wonderful world of copyright, let's first break it down to figure out what we're even protecting. So it might sound simple the way we think about a song. Um, it might sound kind of self-explanatory, but the way it's defined in the copyright world is incredibly specific. So let's first break down a song. So there's two sides of a song. Side number one, the musical composition, or also known as the musical work. You'll hear those two terms. Um, they're pretty interchangeable. But think about the musical composition or musical work, okay? Side number two, the sound recording, also referred to as the master recording or the master. You'll, you'll hear those terms as well. Now, if you can make this distinction that and separate these two sides, this is the basic of basic of basic things that you need to know. If you don't learn anything at all in this entire episode or even in this entire podcast series, learn this because it's truly the foundation of everything in the music industry. And there's really two totally different businesses within each of these sides. So let's take a real life example to um, understand this. All right. An easy way to think about it is, look, think about the song, Nothing Compares to You. That song, the musical composition, side number one, was written by Prince Rogers Nelson. As an artist, his name was Prince, but as a songwriter, he's Prince Rogers Nelson. So he is the songwriter or the author of the musical composition, side number one. 
Now, side number two, the sound recording. That was recorded by the recording artist, Sinead O'Connor. Prince wrote the song. Sinead O'Connor recorded it. Those are the two sides to separate, okay? It's really easy when you can take something like that where um, there's two people involved because that really shows the distinction. Another good example is the song, I Will Always Love You. That was written by Dolly Parton. So the musical composition was written by Dolly Parton as the songwriter. And the sound recording was made famous and really popular by Whitney Houston. There's her sound recording. So that's side number two. See how those are distinct, uh, distinctly different sides. Now, writers, songwriters can also be their own artists and perform their own songs. This happens all the time um, with so many people. You, you are probably an artist listening to this right now who records uh, the songs that you wrote, or you may be in a band, um, but they can all be two totally completely different sides. There's artists that record songs that are written for them, and there's songwriters that write songs that are recorded by artists that they don't record themselves. So you could have multiple different ways of looking at this, but you always, whether you're the person who writes and records or they're two separate people, you always have to make that distinction very clearly on both sides. Now, another important point to think about this too, that's really crucial, is there's only one musical composition, but there can be an infinite amount of recordings. That is something incredibly unique. That's why songwriting can be incredibly powerful. For example, let's go back to the song, Nothing Compares to You. Prince wrote the musical composition, so there's only one musical composition. That's the song. But if you go on like Google or YouTube right now and just type in Nothing Compares to You covers, you're going to have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of cover recordings by people performing that song or creating their own recordings called cover versions, covers. So that's the really unique thing of when you're looking at the difference between these two, it's the really unique thing about the musical composition um, and the sound recording. So one musical composition and really an infinite amount of sound recordings. Hopefully that gave you guys a clear way to kind of start breaking this song into two different sides. And you have to kind of keep thinking about it because um, it really depends on what you're talking about, what language you use, what vocabulary you use. You know, an artist doesn't get a publishing deal. A songwriter gets a publishing deal. A songwriter doesn't get a record deal. An artist gets a record deal. So even the way you talk about these things is always on two different sides. So just go through that mental exercise all the time to really think about what side of the song are you standing on or are you talking about? Are you talking about the sound recording or are you talking about the musical composition? Are you talking about recording artists or are you talking about songwriters? Are you talking about record labels or music publishers? Two different sides. Hopefully I hammered that in. So I just, you know, again, the most important point. So I wanted to be very thorough. But today we're going to only focus for now on the musical composition. All right. So now let's get detailed with it. What is a musical composition? So this refers to, as we know, the writing of a song. But what is the writing of a song? And again, these things sound simple 
and self-explanatory, but we have to break it down. So the writing of a song includes the music, and this is defined as the melody, the rhythm, the harmony, and accompanying lyrics. These are the elements that can be protected under copyright law, okay? However, a song title is not protected under copyright law, or a basic chord progression is not protected. Now, there is a little bit of gray area when it comes to the chord progression, and a lot of it depends on the originality mixed with the copyrightable elements such as the rhythm and the melody. So if you're playing a four chord uh, progression and you're just strumming four basic chords that have been used in like every pop song ever, which happens all the time, that's not a copyrightable element. You, you can't protect that. You can't pr- just protect those four chords. Um, that's why even in blues, like the, that blues riff uh, that comes from blues and, and made into to rock and roll and, and that, that's been used in millions of songs. So the, the riff itself, the chord progression itself cannot be protected. But the way you're playing those chords, especially if it's unique enough, can because things like rhythm or melody, the way you might be arpeggiating uh, the notes within the chord, uh, the, maybe you're using a very unique rhythm uh, mixed with the melody. Because those are copyrightable elements, then you can kind of lump those into the chord itself, making that music able to be protected. So that's a a very interesting point, and uh, we can have an entire separate conversation regarding that. But I wanted to be clear about really what constitutes the elements of a song, so you're very, very clear. And also, if you're a contributor what part of that, of those elements, what part of the melody, the rhythm, the harmony, the lyrics, um, even the, the way it's arranged, what part of those elements do you fit into? So when talking about if you're a songwriter, you're defined as the author or a person who wrote or contributed to this song. Maybe you came up with the rhythm of it. Maybe you came up with the melody. Maybe you came up with a lyric or all the lyrics. Um, Maybe you created the entirety of the music. If you contributed in one of those ways, then you can be considered an author of a song, meaning you are considered a songwriter. Now, I wanted to take a quick minute to go on a tangent about the music element because in the, especially in the hip hop and the pop world, there's producers people that uh, consider themselves music producers Uh, because a lot of the time when you create music, there can be one person who makes the beat or who makes the the actual music and then someone that writes to it or sings over it. You know, it's very common that those two sides are split and the people that make the music often refer to themselves as producers. However, we have to separate them, the term producer and songwriter because producers is another third hat that is worn. And that has a whole separate business within itself too that, again, we'll we'll have to talk about later. But when you're talking about the world of copyright and musical compositions, don't consider yourself a producer. You have to consider yourself a songwriter or a composer if you contributed or wrote the music, okay? This is more about the lingo. This is more about the, the proper language. Um, because it, it functions incredibly differently and very distinct 
in the music industry. So all you quote-unquote producers out there, you're also often songwriters as well. Split yourself into those two entities, okay? So now that we know what a musical composition is, let's move on to understand what copyright is, all right? Copyright is a form of intellectual property law that protects the original works of authorship. That's how it's defined by the U.S. Copyright Office. But let's break that apart and see how that really applies and makes sense. So first, let me drop a little gem for you. When you create a work, when you create a song, and when that song or that work is created and fixed in a tangible form, that work gets copyright protection. Automatically, boom, right then and there, copyright protection begins. So let's break down what that really means. Let's discuss the, the language fixed in tangible form. So let's break it down with the lyrics. If you write lyrics, for example, and you, if you just say those lyrics out loud and you have no way of recording them or documenting them, then it's not fixed in a tangible form. In order for you to get the copyright protection on those lyrics, they have to be written down, uh, either on a piece of paper, they can be saved to a hard drive, it can be physical or digital. Uh, they can be typed into your notes section of your phone, you can email them to yourself. Anything that documents in that this was created at this fixed moment um, in this tangible form, physical or digital, then you get the copyright protection. But if you're just sitting there and you come up with lyrics and you're singing them out loud, but there's no actual like proof that they really exist, um, or something tangible that you can submit to show that proof, then you can't get it. It's the same with the music. If you're playing live music and there's no way of recording it or you just came up with an idea, but it's not documented anywhere, meaning it's not you know recorded, it could be something as simple as just recording into your phone. You don't have to have a huge program. You just need to document. You can do a rough demo but you have to have it fixed in this tangible form in order to get that protection. Otherwise, how do you prove it was even your idea? So make sure whenever you're creating that music to have some type of way of documenting or recording it, okay? So we talked about at that moment when it's fixed in the tangible form, copyright protection begins. You do not need to register your songs with the US Copyright Office for that copyright protection to begin. But, and this is a huge, huge, huge point, even though you don't need to register your work with the Copyright Office to get that protection, you need to register to enforce that protection. That's what it's all about. Very, very crucial point. If you don't register your song, you cannot enforce your rights. Meaning if someone decides to use your lyrics or your music or claim your creation or your song as theirs, you cannot legally fight them for that infringement to get the statutory damages, to do any type of litigation. If you're going to go through that legal process and you want to fight and prove that this is your song, this is your creation, the registration is a minimum requirement to do that, to do anything with the courts or anything legally. You're going to have to have it registered. Now, properly the right way. This is such an important point that so many people just disregard and feel that, hey, if you create something and write the little copyright symbol and the date, that you're covered. Not at all. You can't really do much with that, to be honest. So that's why it's so important to register your songs. 
Now, I'm a fan of just registering multiple drafts, even, you know, it doesn't have to be the final product um, or the final creation. This can include, you know, multiple versions of the songs, of the just the lyrics or just the music, demo versions, old versions, parts of songs. All this can be registered and protected. Uh, you can register a song as what's called unpublished, meaning it hasn't been released or distributed to the public. Or you can do it as published, meaning it has been distributed to the public. So I've worked with several clients who registered multiple versions of songs just as they were creating them. We all know that when we write songs that there's so many revisions. And sometimes what you write for one song that doesn't make that final, uh, the final song maybe those lyrics work for something else you create and you can still protect that. You don't have to have the final thing done. You can register each version as it's being created, okay? And that's a really, really important point that I love to stress to people because it just gives you that added protection for the work that you're creating. Again, this is what makes you special. This is what makes you talented. This is your gift. Uh, This is your creation, okay? Now, Once your song is created and fixed in this tangible form, you are now a copyright owner. Give yourself a hand. You are now a copyright owner. So as a copyright owner, you get six very important exclusive rights. And let's go over those rights that you get, starting with the first right, the right to reproduce the work in copies or phono records. Phono records is the formal term for records or recordings either in physical or digital form. Now, these definitions that I'm telling you are coming directly from the U.S. Copyright Office. Uh, You can go there and review them yourself and read a little bit more about them. But let's talk about that first right, right to reproduce the work. So that means basically make copies of it. You know, people have to do this when they do when they print up, whether it was like back in the day in CDs or whether you're making digital copies or whether you're making vinyl, whatever types of copies it can be, can just be even copies of the lyrics, say like printed sheet music or for, you know, printed lyrics, like in a lyric book, Um, any type of copying or reproducing that refers to that first right. So, and when I tell you these rights, these exclusive rights that you get, meaning nobody can do those things without your permission. They have to come to you to get a license and to get your permission and pay you to do that. And if they don't, they're violating your rights. They are infringing on your rights. So that's why these rights are so important. It gives you this maximum amount of control that you have over your songs. So that's right number one, right to reproduce. Number two, the right to prepare derivative works based upon the work. So what is a derivative work? A derivative work can be defined, it's like a translation or an adaptation. Um, Maybe it's a different musical arrangement. Uh, But a lot of what we see in in pop world, in the pop music, is uh, remixes. Remixes are derivative works. It's basically when a new version of the song is created that's based off the original. Now, this is totally different from a cover version, okay? Because a cover version is basically maintains all the original elements of the lyrics and the music and the arrangement. Um, Even if it's in a different style, like a different genre, it still contains the same order of things, the same lyrics. There's there's really no uh, big change. Whereas a remix might have totally different, uh, like a different music bed or um, 
maybe the lyrics are are changed or maybe they just use a part of the song um and then you know create uh, an original part or to it uh, th- those are all considered derivative works so again nobody can do those things nobody can go remix your music without your permission or create any type of derivative works without your permission number three the third exclusive right you get this is the right to distribute copies of phono records like we talked about in number one recordings of the work to the public by sale or other transfer of ownership or by rental lease or lending now this is a total myth buster that i talk to people about all the time especially those who do remixes that just because you're taking someone's music, remixing it and putting it out for free, like on SoundCloud, um, just because it's for free doesn't mean you're, you can do it. Like, not at all. You're breaking that exclusive right, number three, the right to distribute the music. And at the same time, you're violating right number two, the derivative works. So just because you know, people say, well, I'm just giving away. I'm not making money off this. It doesn't matter. If you're distributing, that's all you have to do and you violate the right right there. That's it. So don't think just because it's for free that it's okay. Not at all. And if you're the rights holder, that's something you should know too because you can go after somebody and fight against that infringement knowing that whether it's for free or for profit and sale, it doesn't matter. You are legally bound because you have the exclusive right to distribute and if they don't get your a license or permission from you, then you have the right to fight against that. Okay, let's move on to the exclusive right number four. This is the right to perform the work publicly. They define it if it's you know if it's a literary or musical, dramatic, choreographic, pantomime, motion picture, and other audiovisual work. Now, when we say uh, perform the work publicly, this is think of public performance. I like to tell people think about all the ways you hear music, all the ways you kind of can consume it through your ears. This can be whether it's at a concert or music playing in a public place like a a restaurant or a shop. Uh, Maybe it's music broadcasted publicly on TV or film or or radio. Radio is a huge public performance, Um, digital radio. So these ways of your music being publicly performed, you have that exclusive right. And this is why we have performance rights organizations like ASCAP and BMI and CSAC they all handle and are based around this fourth exclusive right to publicly perform um, as they handle all the licensing and the policing and the collecting of royalties and they pay you for that. So when your music is publicly performed, um, whether it's at a concert, at a venue or on the radio, the PROs, these performance rights organizations are uh, monitoring that and handling that uh, that licensing and permissions and collecting money part for you. That's what it is. That's what a PRO does. And we'll get a lot more into that later, but know that it's revolving around this fourth exclusive right. Right number five. Now this is very, very similar to right number four, except instead of performing, it's the right to publicly Uh, display the work. This means basically an example of it could be like showing the lyrics publicly on a billboard or on a TV. Uh, Maybe it's sheet music on display in like a museum or something. Um, It could be still images from a film or drawings or someone can create, you know, a product using your lyrics on like a mug or a t-shirt or something. Um, Anywhere the, the lyrics are like publicly displayed, that is a right that's protected. So uh, you can't, a lyric video, that's a good one too, uh, when lyrics are displayed on a video. 
So that is a protected right that you have. So no one can just use any type of displaying of your work at all without getting the proper permissions. So those are the first five rights. Now there are sixth, but this sixth right, this final right came later. This came in 1995 and it only refers to sound recordings. So this is the right to perform the work publicly by means of digital audio transmission. Very similar to right number four for musical compositions and musical works. This gave a public performance rights, but just through the digital audio transmission parts to the sound recordings, which they didn't have before. Uh, This came during the Digital Performance Rights and Sound Recordings Act. And really a little background of it was when the digital age really started taking off, record companies saw this as a major problem as their recordings were now being uh, publicly performed digitally and needed the protection uh, for that. So that's what resulted in this sixth right for sound recordings and is also related to a company called Sound Exchange that was later uh, developed to collect and distribute digital performance royalties for sound recordings. So that's the, the right, that's the sixth right. Now you know all the rights that you have um, that are protected under copyright law. And remember, if any of them are willfully violated, you can be awarded up to $150,000 per work that's infringed. So that just shows you the value of these copyrights and of your work and the meaning of why it's so important to protect them. So now that you know, let's walk through the steps and put the action behind this on how to register your songs. So first thing you're going to do, go to the U.S. Copyright Office website at www.copyright.gov, and on the homepage, you're going to click on where it says register a copyright. Then create an account and log in to the Electronic Copyright Office Registration System, also known as the ECO, the ECO system, and you can do this all online and it's fairly easy. Once you're in that system, they provide you a step-by-step process that walks you through the registration. But to make things easier, I want to give you now just a few hacks to pay attention to and things that you can do to make this time effective and cost effective. Okay, so first... When you register your musical composition, they actually don't have a choice on their list that says musical composition. Instead, as the quote-unquote type of work that you're registering, you need to choose work of the performing arts. That's the type of work. That's how it's really defined when you do your registration. Now, make sure you do that correctly because a lot of people make that mistake and they choose other options that are available like they're registering for the sound recording. You're not yet registering for the sound recording. Again, we're just talking about the musical composition Um, or sometimes I've even seen people do visual arts, Um, but it's neither. Right now, we're just talking about the musical composition side and that's defined as work of the performing arts. If you're an owner of that composition, and also the sound recording, then you can do both of them on the same application. That'll save you some time and money because usually the sound recording and the musical composition require two separate registrations. But if you're the owner of both 
and meaning the ownership has to be exactly the same. So if you wrote 100% of the song and you own 100% of the recording, then you can do both on the same application. But if you were, wrote a song with another person, so say maybe 50% of the song, but you own 100% of the recording, you can't do them. So very, very specific there. Now the registration fee is $55 per registration. It's not a lot for one, but this can get expensive pretty fast when we're talking about like an album's worth like 10 or 15 or a catalog worth. I mean, it can get up there. So to save you some money, what you should do is register your songs as either a group of unpublished works or a collection or a collective work. Now, a collective work can basically be an album. Let's say you have an entire album and um, of like 10 songs and you can basically put the album name as the collection title and put all 10 songs on that same application as long as all the copyright claimants and authors are the same. So... Again, if you wrote 100% of the song for all 10 songs, you can put them on the registration as a collection and just pay the $55 for all 10. The same goes when um, if it's not an album and it hasn't been published or you just have a collection of songs, you can do these as a group. You can do up to 10 as unpublished. So they basically now have a form uh, for group registration for unpublished works. So you can do up to 10 unpublished works on a single application. But be careful because there are exceptions that you need to know. And one of the biggest ones is that the claimants have to be the exact same for all the songs that are a part of that collection, a part of that group. So Maybe you wrote one song with somebody else, maybe another song with three other people, another song with five other people. You can't put them all on the same application. But if you did half the album or half the songs yourself as 100% and maybe the other half 50-50 with someone, those would be two applications. So you can still save some time and money there rather than doing a single application for every solitary song. So as long as you have those things are the same among multiple songs, they can all be on the same application. That's definitely something you should know. And it's also something in the last year that the Copyright Office created this new form for to help people do that. So that's definitely a great way to save money and get your songs into their system as much as possible and as fast as possible. I'm a big fan of registering groups of unpublished works or even pre-registrations because I like to do it during the creative process uh, or as soon as a song is done. So um, if you plan on working on a bunch of songs and rather than doing them one at a time, you can wait a little bit, say, look, I'm going into three months of writing right now and I'll have, you know, 20 songs ready, then do it at that point. But you can do these things before songs are released um, because not all songs ever get released. Tons don't. But that doesn't mean you don't have to protect them and register them, okay? So after you go through the registration process, and there's a lot of really cool functions when you walk through this. If you have questions, there's little help tabs that tell you exactly what to choose and how to fill it out. But it's pretty simple all the way through. It just takes a little bit of time and a little bit of reading to make sure you get it. 
So after you go through the registration process, it shouldn't take you more than about 10 minutes or 15 minutes max. You'll have to submit a copy of your deposit. And this goes back to that fixed in a tangible form thing we were talking about. So you register your song. You'll then have to include either an MP3 if you have a recording of it or say it's just the lyrics. Uh, you can do like a PDF. Uh, they accept PDF files. They even accept JPEG files. So you could take like a screenshot if it's on your phone. Anything that proves that fixed intangible part that you can actually submit and say, here it is. This is the song. This is what I'm registering that matches to the details of my registration. Once you've completed that application, it's gonna usually take a while for you to receive your certificate of registration. That'll come in the mail, but it's basically, you know, now you've put it in public record, you get a, cert- a certification of it. Keep that, it's really cool. It's, uh, it, it proves, uh, it's basically this document that proves you are the owner of this work. Uh, but it will take quite a few months because I know they're backlogged and the process can take quite a while. But don't worry because you've already done the most important part by completing the online registration and getting your songs into their system. So that's how you protect your songs. If you have any questions uh, going through this registration or you want more clarity on some of the things I talked about, let me know. I'm happy to help, but I really, really, really encourage you to do this on your own. Take the time. It's not a lot of time. It's not a ton of money out the gate, but the value that you're going to get is so empowering because you're going to know how to do this and how to protect your songs and what that process is like. It gives you such a great sense of control and accountability. And also think about it again, like real estate. This is your property. Be on top of it. Treat it like you would treat anything. You know, we tend to not be that kind of formal when it comes to songs because, you know, it's easier to like live in that creative space and think about this later. But think about it. These registrations and these certificates that you get are all part of your property. They're assets that you own. So protect them. Do it the right way. I encourage you to do it yourself. And if you have any questions, feel free to contact me. Leave a comment here in the podcast section. Uh, You could reach out on social media at Paid in Full Pod on Instagram or Twitter. Or you can reach out to my consulting site at royaltymanagement.com. That's royaltymgmt.com and connect with me there. Either way, I'm down to help. Do this on your own though. Empower yourself and protect your songs. I'll see you guys on the next episode. 